Health 101 is produced by the physicians of the Metro Omaha Medical Society, and we'd like to thank Children's Hospital and Medical Center for their support of this podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Health 101. I'm Carol Wang, and today we are talking about those hits in the head that you read about in the headlines that everyone is talking about. And if you're a parent with a child, it may be giving you some pause um, in terms of letting them play because concussions really are serious matters. And we're We seem to be hearing more about them, and I'm not sure if that's just because we're more aware or because there's a lot more studying going on, but we've brought in an expert, and he's going to tell us everything he can tell us about what's going on with head injuries, with concussions, and why we need to be aware of it. And if we played sports, so every verb tense of the word play, what we need to know about anything that we've done damage to ourselves and to our families. So, Jeffrey Ebel who is a family medicine doctor with a sports medicine specialty. Did I get that right, Jeff? You got it right. (laughs) Okay. What really, in a medical definition, is a concussion, and how is it different from just being whacked on the head, you know, when you bump into something? Sure. Great question. So... Concussion is defined as a traumatically induced transient disturbance of brain function that involves a complex pathophysiologic process. And if that means nothing to you guys, like it means nothing to me, basically what we're trying to say is um, for a short period of time after somebody gets hit in the head, um, they are not themselves. So it can result in a whole uh, host of different symptoms, but basically we can tell that their brain is not functioning as it was before the hit. Is it permanent? Is it temporary? Because when you say they're not themselves, that's a bit scary. Correct, yeah. it's um, So by that definition, when they say transient, it means it's kind of an evolving process. So it's not permanent, um, but depending on the type of hit, where the injury occurred, it can kind of last for a few seconds. It can last for minutes. Um, but they typically um, start to turn the corner after those, those times. So um, in the previous definition, a lot of people may have heard the term a mild traumatic brain injury. Um, but that got confusing for folks because then they're thinking that's something permanent, that sort of thing. So they've kind of gone to that term transient, meaning um, the symptoms will slowly fade, um, but it, it can last a variable amount of time once it occurs. Is the fear not so much to the outer skull, which is bone and thick, and it's to the brain inside, right? And Correct. what's happening in a hit. Yeah, so that's a great question. So um, what we've looked at and seen is it's actually an injury on the cellular level. So our axons that make the brain connect and send messages do those things all the time, when they get hit, um, they become less efficient. And so all of a sudden, they're having a harder time doing the things that we do every day without even thinking. So looking around us, processing information, um, kind of interacting with our surroundings, all those things become much more difficult for a person who's been concussed. But the hard part for us as clinicians is that doesn't show up on an image. So that doesn't show up on an MRI or a CT scan or an X-ray um, because it's an injury at the cellular level. Um, and so you're exactly right. It's not an injury to the actual skull bone or anything like that. It's just it's to the cells in the brain. Which then makes it hard, I think, for families and, and people who, if you've been in a car accident, or if your child got hit in the head by a ball, um, to know when is it just, oh, you're going to be okay, just a little dazed and confused for a second, versus 
this is something someone needs to take a look at or deal with. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap. And I think um, that's the hard part, um, even for a clinician. There's a lot of gray area in a concussion. Um, but the nice part is, is with our evolving research, we've really learned that all those terms we used to say were, oh, they're just seeing stars or, oh, you know, they, they got hit hard there and they're kind of dazed a little bit. All those things now we would classify under concussion because if they've caused a person to change who they are personality-wise, symptom-wise, um, or how they interact with you, um, those are enough signs and symptoms that, one, we either need to get them away from that scene with the, the car accident or get them off the field uh, to be further evaluated. Should any hit automatically preempt to a examination or... Is there, oh, that's just a nothing? Yeah, great question. So um, the NCAA, the NFL, all those um, big organizations now have really looked at that. And the great part is is they're trying to make the sport safer. Um, so, you know, all of our sports, we're always looking at ways to improve that. And we now have people called spotters. So if a spotter thinks they see something that looked like a bad hit, that person got hit directly in the head, um, we're now having that person come off the field um, to be evaluated. Um, now, that can't happen at youth sports. We just don't have the means or the resources. Um, but I think anytime there's concern by a coach, a ref, a fan, um, I think it warrants you know at least having that, having that person come off and talking to coach or if there is no immediate medical help there to, to at least kind of say, hey, is this person tracking with me? Are they making sense? Does, you, know, you can kind of usually tell... Um, if somebody's just not themselves. And the better you know the person actually can be one of the best things that helps us diagnose a concussion. So if I don't know a kid or an athlete and I go to evaluate them, a lot of times I'm relying on their trainer or their parent to kind of tell me, hey, how does this kid normally function? How do they normally interact? Because those subtle changes um, can sometimes you know, be the best thing that help you dis discover the concussion. We are now seeing studies, I think, uh, University of South Florida or and, um, another, and other places have taken a look at youth sports, soccer, volleyball, all of those, and they say that even girls have a higher concussion rate, and they're also saying that young kids have a larger chance of getting a concussion. Is it because of the developing brain, or is it because just size and resiliency of the body? Yeah, so... <clears throat> some of those questions still remain to be answered, um, but they're being looked into. And absolutely, the developing brain takes a concussion differently. So um, a lot of times, uh, the hard part for my athletes is um, when they're younger, I tend to hold them out a little bit longer because on average, a concussion can last anywhere from one to four weeks. And that's still a very normal time frame for that person to be healing. Um, so the younger they are, the closer I usually lean towards, um, if they're having any symptoms at all, any problems at all, towards telling them, hey, this can take up to four weeks. Now, as you become an adult, um, a lot of times, like an NFL athlete, that sort of thing, they're going to recover a little bit faster because the brain is fully developed. It seems to handle that trauma a little bit better. Um, but like your question kind of led, is it is it because they're developing? Is it because there uh, might be more developmental space? You know, a lot of times we think the injury is more the brain kind of hitting against the, the inside of the bone, kind of bouncing back and forth, what we call a contra-coup. 
um, type of injury. So all those things may play into a kid's head injury. And so it's hard to, hard to answer that just yet as we're still kind of learning about that process. Um, but as the research is showing, um, kids in general are at high risk for this injury. Um, and so we're trying to keep it safer. Um, the hard part with the, you know, the other portion of your question about do females experience this more or less, um, it honestly depends on the sport. So they've really broken it down. They've looked at data from multiple sports, and um, we get kind of a variable rate of concussions depending on the sport. Um, but gender itself doesn't always necessarily lead to a higher rate of concussion. So then I think about all the equipment that is being manufactured and they say whether or not the helmets that have the sensors for concussions inside them or anything that's going to come out on the market. But is that truly doing what it says it's doing? Because if you're talking about a cellular level, this is really just about impact, right? Correct. Yeah. So you're, you're catching on pretty quick <laughs> there. Um, the, that's the hard part. So we, we do have sensors. They're doing awesome studies where they're looking at the impact a brain takes. Um, like you kind of mentioned earlier, with any hit that looks bad, should we be evaluating? Well, the hard part is, is some of the hardest hits that those helmet sensors have taken when they're collecting that data lead to no symptoms or concussion. Um, so it's not always the amount of outside impact. I think like we were kind of talking there, it's amount of impact that the cells take at that level. Um, so there's been no proven data that there's any piece of equipment that prevents a concussion. Um, people always ask us about mouth guards, about the helmets. Um, while mouth guards are great for dental and kind of caring for our teeth, they don't reduce the risk of concussion. Um, but we still encourage them when we say it doesn't hurt to have that in place. Um, and then same with our helmets. They've reduced the amount of facial injuries, skull injuries, those sorts of things, which is great. That part's safer, um, but still haven't led to those decreased rates or prevention of concussions like we hope. Thank you so much to Children's Hospital and Medical Center for supporting this podcast. This podcast is generously supported by Children's Hospital and Medical Center. Children's is the only full-service pediatric health center in Nebraska, providing expertise in more than 50 pediatric specialty services to children across the region and beyond. It is home to Nebraska's only Level 4 Newborn Intensive Care Unit and the only Level 2 Pediatric Trauma Center. Nationally, Children's is recognized as a best children's hospital by U.S. News & World Report. To meet the growing demand for high-quality pediatric services, Children's is growing to better serve more children and families. Its new clinical facility, the Hubbard Center for Children, opens in 2021. Learn more at childrensomaha.org. In getting ready to talk to you about concussions, I was talking to some parents and talking to some families that I know, and I heard a couple of anecdotes about teen girls who got hurt either in sports or whatever and ended up with um, four to six weeks of recovery, including horrible migraines, dark rooms, um, you know, having a lot of disorientation in terms of balance issues. Is that normal? It can be, <laughs> unfortunately. So that, that time frame, depending on the age of the person, um, depending on where the injury took place in the brain, um, yeah, concussions can affect our balance, can affect our mood. Um, they can create the headaches, nausea, vomiting, you know, dizziness, all those things. Um, and so when we look at our screening checklist of kind of our sideline evaluations and even in my office, um, I actually have a 
uh, symptom checklist that we go through with every patient um, because concussion has such a wide manifestation of what it can affect. Um, and, you know, the hard part is, is um, each person responds differently. So um, in those anecdotal cases you're kind of talking about, it depends on um, did those girls have a previous history of migraines or they family history of migraines? Is there any ADHD or, you know, previous depression, anxiety? All those things tell me information about how long it's going to take somebody to recover from their injury. So having some of those previous um, risk factors or diagnoses um, can make a concussion recovery longer. Which then leads me to ask, does your brain 100% heal itself or is it scar tissue? Is there something there that always rem you know, remembers and has carries around that injury? Sure. Um, so, you know, the hard part is, is we don't fully know. Um, a lot of times we can't look at those cells until after somebody passes away. Um, the nice part is, is there are athletes who want to further the research and have donated their brains, whether they were symptomatic or not. Um, and we do see some changes to the proteins in the brain. And, you know, I think we're going to get to it a little bit later, but talking about chronic traumatic encephalopathy or CTE, you know, those studies are going on where we're looking at those changes. Um, but as far as we know, it, it seems like the brain does recover. Um, being an athlete in the past myself and playing lots of sports growing up, you know, went through five concussions and as far as I know, still functioning well today. And <laughs> maybe my patients would disagree, but, um, you know, the hard part is, is, you know, I don't feel like I have any deficits. And I think most of the athletes would say that, but what's actually going on at the cellular level, that's, that's a great question. So is that why you chose sports medicine is because you played sports? Is that the yeah, tie? I, well, I always just kind of had an interest in this and then kind of wanting to help people further and kind of be a resource for them. There's a lot that goes into sports that, you know, doesn't always fit with the general population because athletes are always on a tighter timeline um, with their injuries, no matter what it is. And so you're kind of fighting that balance of getting them back to the field as quickly as you can, but doing that safely. And so I think that's, yeah, what appealed to me. So if you've had five hits to the head and you've had five concussions, and real fast before I forget, the old wives' tale, or at least the popular myth, if it may be what, maybe it's true, is that if you had a concussion, you had to stay up all night, that they, they, you weren't allowed to sleep. Is that still true? Are you still at telling people to stay up? No, no, <laughs> we're not. So uh, actually sleep is one of the best things for the brain as it's healing and recovering. Um, it's one of the symptoms on my checklist that I really make sure I address early because I know if that athlete or person who has a concussion is not sleeping well, um, that their recovery is going to take longer. Um, so we actually encourage to, you know, let the person sleep. You don't have to uh, be as vigilant. Now, if they're acting off enough where their balance is off enough, those sorts of things, you know, the bigger injuries like a, a bleed on the brain or um trauma like that, which is hard sometimes to distinguish from a concussion, um, that's where we'd encourage, you know, that parent or person to take them in to be evaluated further. Um, but in general, if you've been diagnosed with a concussion, everything else has kind of been checked off. We want that person to sleep and get their rest because that'll help that brain heal. Now back to CTE, because mm -hmm. that seems to be, I mean, if you are interested at all in football and 
a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that seems to be the headline in sports and then the NFL is CTE and former athletes. And if you're a former athlete, does it occur to you and does it scare you? Yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're always looking at those changes saying, wow, we need, to, we need to really learn more about this. The hard part is, is that that study kind of got out in front of itself. So you're taking um, the one that kind of popularized it, um, at least with the movie that came out, all those things, um, was a study done on 100 NFL athletes who all donated their brain. But all 100 of them said that they had concerns for issues mentally, you know, processing after football um, from a psychological standpoint and their mood. They just felt things were different. So you you get that, you get this study, they donate the brain, they see those proteins, they're called tau proteins, um, and they see that change post-mortem. Um, so then it kind of jumped out, well, football causes concussion. But just because there's an association that these players played football and these changes are happening in the brain doesn't always mean cause and effect. So you guys, I think the most popular way to see this is one week coffee is really good for us. The next week coffee is really bad for us. If you see those studies all the time, those are looking at what we call associations. So they look at different associations and we flip flop back and forth all the time. It doesn't mean there's cause and effect. And that's the hard part right now is we don't think there's cause and effect because there's been players since who have also donated their brain to this research, who had no symptoms. Did they have those protein changes? Yes, they did. They had the same signs of CTE, but had no symptoms. So now we're kind of at that crossroads of, are the proteins just a marker? Are they the cause? Um, Is CTE directly related to the repetitive head trauma? Is it related to concussions? And so there's a lot of questions that still remain to be answered. CTE is diagnosable, not while you're alive? Correct. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's, yeah, kind of brushing up for this talk, kind of looking at those things. That's the hard part about that disease is we can have suspicions. People can say, I think I have this. Um, There is a higher correlation with people who do um, traumatic sports such as boxing, MMA, football, rugby, you know, having these changes to their brain. Um, but you can't really make that diagnosis until you can look at the cellular level. So that's always postmortem. I feel like I hear people, especially doctors, say this all the time, that the brain, whether it's the physical brain or if it's what's inside in the neurons and everything, is still kind of the wild west of medicine. Yeah, I think there's still a lot to be discovered. And the brain is what we call plastic, meaning it's making changes all the time. It's it's an amazing organ in how it functions and um, basically in how it can adapt and change things to the environment. I just saw a recent study talking about how they think our brain is being formed differently and making different processes and connections now in relation to cell phones and all the technology that we have. And so that shows you how adaptable our brain is to our environment um, and how quickly it is to change. And the good news is, at least for me, kind of knowing that, um, you know, with history of concussions and dealing with concussions is, is that tells me, well, you know, hopefully there's a chance that it does heal up from those hits, that trauma. Um, but yeah, it's, it is still a, a big unknown for us in medicine. So if a parent comes to talk to you, a neighbor knocks on your door and says, my seventh grader wants to play football. 
my daughter wants to play club soccer. I'm a little worried about all of this. Sure. What do you tell them? So um, I kind of go back to looking at the overall risk reward of sports versus not playing sports. Um, the great part of this is it's led to studies asking your exact question. So they've done, you know, studies on NFL players who have retired with age match controls. So people who are the same age but never played sports um, and looking at overall depression rates, you know, anxiety, um, psychological issues, mental health. And when they look at those, there's actually there's actually a, an, uh, a lower uh, outcome for those diseases and processes in the athletes. Um, so when I look at that, although you see the risks of playing a contact sport, um, I also know all the other benefits for the rest of our musculoskeletal health, um, the social benefits, the, you know, the, the worth that gives somebody. Um, and so to me, if that family is really on the fence, I tend to talk about the benefits that also can occur with those sports. So as opposed to the fear of what might be. Correct. Yeah, because, you, you know, you can protect them from sports, but then they get into a car accident and you're in the exact same, exact same place. And so to me, none of us can predict that future. We don't have a crystal ball. So um, if somebody really wants to do what they enjoy and love, um, we want to help them do it safely. And uh, I think that's why we're making rule changes and making changes to practice and equipment um, because we want everybody to enjoy sport. Wise words. Jeff Ebel. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know, hopefully people learned a lot. I certainly did. My eyes are opened and, you know, thank goodness for our bodies for the, its ability to heal itself because it's amazing. Every time I talk to a doctor, I feel like I learn a lot more about this. Okay, everyone, if you are looking for a physician, omahamedical.com, you can use our Find a Physician search. Thank you so much again, Jeff, for your expertise. It's been mind-opening. Thank you guys very much. <laughs> A Parkville Media Production. The information shared in this podcast is for informational purposes only. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the presenters and do not represent the thoughts, advice, or opinions of the Metro Omaha Medical Society. The information contained in this podcast should not serve as the basis for any medical treatment and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical advice. Before making changes to your health care plan or a loved one's, always consult with a health care professional.